find your place in Matthew chapter 7, uh, we're not going to start there immediately, but uh, we're going to work our way there. I want to talk to you about uh, tonight about deception, about being deceived. The Bible has a lot to talk about, uh, when it, uh, to speak about when it comes to deception. We are commanded not to be deceived. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever man soweth, that shall I also reap. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, we're told not to be deceived. It says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, Take heed that no man deceive you. No man. Basically, there are three types of deception. There's worldly deception, demonic deception, and self-deception. Worldly deception, we're told in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. 2 Thessalonians 2.3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means. In the Gospels, the Bible speaks of the deceitfulness of riches. Then there's a demonic faith. In Revelation, Satan is called a deceiver. In John, he's called a liar and the father of it. In Revelation 20, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. Amen. Thank God for that. The day is coming. Hallelujah. Look forward to that. Never to be bothered again by the tempter. 2 Corinthians 11 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. There's our word, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. In 1 Timothy 4, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. We are strongly warned in the Scriptures about deception, about being deceived. The greatest shield against deception is the Word of God. And then the third deception is self-deception. We've got worldly and satanic deception, but self-deception is the worst kind of deception there is because we choose to be deceived. We rationalize and we choose a path that leads us astray. We make wrong choices and we're deceived by our own self-deception, a dangerous place to be. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. How many times have we come to church? How many times have I come to church and heard the word of God preached and Maybe the Spirit of God spoke to me or spoke to us about what we should be doing. And, and then we walk away, we walk out the doors, and we don't follow through on what the Lord has spoken to us about. Or maybe in a time of devotions or, or hearing preaching or doing jubilee or any time we're around the Word of God. And yet we hear the Word of God and we deceive ourselves by only hearing and not doing. May the Lord help us. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Above all things, that's the most... It's the most deceitful thing there is as our hearts. It's deceitful above all things and desperately, desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't even know how wicked our own hearts are. In Mark, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemies, pride, foolishness. What a list of the sins that could be in our heart and in our hearts as deceitful as we are. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Folks, tonight we're in bad shape. But we need to be reminded of what sinners we are. It's good to see how wicked our own hearts are, that we might see how gracious and merciful and loving that God is that he would save us. 
He didn't have to, but he did. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. This is a familiar passage. Uh, I'm sure probably just about everybody here has heard a message preached on it. I preach this message for both the saved and the unsaved, that we might examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. Paul said in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, it says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove or test your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate? So, as Paul said, we should examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. Now, this message is not to make people doubt but to examine ourselves, just like we'd go to the doctor for a physical exam to see how our health is. We need to go to the great physician and see how our spiritual health is and let him give us an exam. The spiritual exam, the examination comes from, if we go to the doctor, they use a medical book. We go to the, we go to the spiritual, we go to our great physician, he uses his book, his medical book, to show us where we fall short and where we can be corrected. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says, I'm going to read these three verses here. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Sad words. Sad state. Well, let's get into this passage. First of all, Let's, let's look at what this verse is not saying. And I believe some of the past, or perhaps even now, uh, not here, but in different religions, different uh, sects of Christianity. First of all, this isn't about someone who was saved and then lost it. The verse here says, in verse 23, it says, Jesus said, I never knew you. It's not like he knew them and then he didn't know them. He never knew them. And uh, he said, I never knew you. Yes, he knew them by creation because he made them. But then he didn't, he didn't know them by salvation. He knew them by the first birth, but he didn't know them by the second birth. They were born physically, but they were never born spiritually. They were never born again. Hopefully tonight the Spirit of God will deal with anyone here that's never been born again, that you'll see your need, and you may have been a church member for years. It doesn't matter. Don't hold on to it. It ain't worth it. Surrender to the Lord. Well, people will be happy that you get saved, that you give your life to Jesus Christ. Be not deceived. Verse 21. Not everyone that saith, and it's not those who say, but those who do. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth, he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You say, what is the will of the Father in heaven? The will of the Father in heaven is that we be saved. His will is found in John chapter 6 and verse 40. And this is the will of of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, we see him by faith, and believeth on him, may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. That's the will of God. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 tells us God is not willing. What's his will? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all, all should come to repentance. All should come to repentance. He doesn't leave anybody out. That should be enough to make a cowardice shout. Repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. A change of mind about our sin. That we have offended a holy God. 
a change of mind about ourselves that we are sinners indeed in need of a Savior. And then it's a change of mind about the Savior, that He is Lord, that He's sovereign, and He's worthy to be worshipped and worthy to be magnified and worthy to be glorified and worthy of our lives to be surrendered to Him. Repentance is a turnaround. Instead of running from Him, it's running to Him. Verse 22 says, Many will say to me in that day, that day, that's a particular day, an appointed day that will come. It's a prophesied day and it's a pitiful day, a sad day for many. May there be no one sitting here tonight, Lord help us, no one sitting here tonight that would, that would be lost, steeped in religion. God have mercy. Lord. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? There'll be people who preached in his name. They preached in his name, and they might have even had people saved when they preached in his name because it wasn't their power, it wasn't them, it's the word of God, the Holy Spirit. I believe an atheist could stand up here and read scripture, and the spirit of God could take the power of the scriptures and bring conviction and save someone. Now, it is important for the man of God to be right and to be filled with the spirit, but God can use whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to, however he wants to. The word does the work. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He promised that his word would not return void, but that he would, it would accomplish the purpose for which he sends it forth. Verse 22 again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils? That's pretty impressive. They cast out devils in his name. They actually did. You know, it wasn't by their name. It was by his name because that's a powerful name. And even a lost person using the name of Jesus, there's a power behind that name. It's a name that's above every name, that at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. It's a name above every name. It's a special name. It's a saving name. It's a sanctifying name. It's a satisfying name. It's a strong name. It's a holy name. It's a righteous name. It's a blessed name. It's a glorious name. It's a wonderful name. Jesus, we sang about it tonight, hallelujah. Now there were seven men in the book of Acts who cast out a demon. I believe those men were lost. They cast him out, it says the demon jumped on them and they ran out of the house naked and wounded. And their father was a priest and that didn't make any difference to the demons, who their dad was. It was by his name, the devils fear his name. And then verse 22 again, we read it enough, we'll have it memorized. Many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Lord, we built hospitals, we built schools, we, we took in orphans, we built orphanages. We went on missions trips, we dug wells, we gave pure, water purifying systems. All that's good. It's good. We need to help people. But we don't need a social gospel we're going to do those things we need to give the gospel alongside it. We gave our Bibles. We went on missions trips. Verse 23, Jesus speaks. They've been doing all the talking. Now Jesus speaks, and he always gets the last word. He says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Iniquity. Someone might ask, how could that be iniquity? All those good works, the preaching, the casting out demons, all the good works. How could that be iniquity? 
That's because that's all it was, was good works. It's self-righteousness. The Bible says, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And how many religions believe that you have to do something to be saved? And even in Christian circles, so-called. The Bible says all our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. It's an insult to God. It's like Cain showing up to offer fruits and vegetables instead of a blood sacrifice. God gave his son to die for us. He was lied about, cursed, spit upon, reviled. He was beaten. His back was ripped open. Thorns placed on his head and he was nailed to a cross to die for our sins. And he cried out. When he cried out, he said, it is finished. There's no good work we could do. It's all finished. It's all in him. It's complete. He used one word. He used the word telestai, which means it is finished. The Greek word, it is finished. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain on this man, but he washed it white as snow. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Hallelujah. Bless his name. I don't know how the Lord might have spoken to your heart tonight, but I would say if you're hearing lost, please surrender to the Lord. Don't worry about what a person thinks at all. We'd be glad and happy for you. Come, and somebody will deal with you. Somebody will show you from the Bible how to be saved by the grace of God. The Bible says the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, even the word of faith, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Perhaps God spoke to you in another way. Then obey him. I don't know else how to do an invitation, but you just come. You obey the Lord. Whatever way he speaks to you tonight, that still small voice, you obey the Lord.